Hi, this is Howard Jacobson, and I'm delighted to be joined via Skype today by Juliana Hever. Juliana, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Howard? Good, good. So um, for, for folks who don't know uh, who you are and what you do, why don't you give us a little uh, a little background? Okay, well, I'm a plant-based dietitian, and I see clients around the world, and I speak all over about whole food plant-based nutrition, and I have a TV show called What Would Juliana Do? It's a wellness talk show on Varia Living, and I wrote the book The Complete Idiot's Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition, and co-authored The Complete Idiot's Guide to Gluten-Free Vegan Cooking, but really, I'm just going around and trying to tell everyone to eat more whole plants. (laughs) Cool. We we actually um, almost bond over something, which is I've I've written uh, a couple of for dummies books. So, oh right. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious because uh, it's it's so funny to be you know to think of ourselves as kind of you know helpful experts and then like insulting our audiences. I you know a lot of people got really offended by the title, which is funny because there's what hundreds or thousands of dummies and idiots books. You know, it's not like I made it up. And yeah, I know it's. It's just, it's, I know, some people, you have to kind of laugh about it because I think it's great. You know, you're covering all the bases and you're telling people, you know, like it's basically for everyone. Right. So, but I know everyone's always going to take something the wrong way, I guess. Right. So uh, t- tell us, how did you get into plant-based nutrition? Did you grow up eating that way? I wish I grew up eating this way. No, it's, it was a long journey for me. It started... When I was a teenager and I read, I started with John Robbins' books, you know, The Diet for a New America and all that. That was, that and was my I, first one. You too? Uh-huh. In uh, fact, I, I was very vulnerable when I read that because my father had passed about two weeks earlier and I was God. sort of wandering through a bookstore and I saw the, you know, the red, white, and blue spine of the book and I pulled it out and, and my, my dad had died of a heart attack. So I was really open to this message. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, I'm sorry about your father, but what good timing to be vulnerable and pick that and go that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's very inspiring that book. I mean, it's all of it. And then once you read that stuff, you just, it's like becomes as wonderful, you know, they call it a rabbit hole. You just kind of keep going and digging and finding out more information. And, and then you can't look back after you, you start learning about it. But it took me many, many years to feel confident with, you know, knowing how to do it the proper way and to make sure that, you know, I got, I mean, I was always scared away from it. I had people always telling me, well, wait a second, you're not going to get your iron and you're not going to get enough protein and the same stuff we hear all the time now. In fact, that's why I was so excited to write an idiot's guide because it was like, here's really, it's really simple. Here's all you got to know. And, and I want people to know that it really is doable and easy for anyone. Awesome, because you know when I when I started getting those questions about iron and B12 and protein, you know my, my response for many years was just sort of like stick my fingers in my ears and make like la 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 la, la noises. <laughs> I love that, I love that you went the other way and actually tried to answer the question. Well, because it was so frustrating for me because I really really wanted to do it. I really wanted to not be part of that system that was contributing to you know, the environmental damage and the, what what they're doing to the animals. And like, that just really, it did not resonate with me. 
And I was determined to try to do it. And everyone kept telling me, no, 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 you can't. Especially, yeah, I, w- I went through years. I was a personal, I'm still a personal trainer. And, you know, I'm taught that protein and veggies diet and, you know, eat your protein, eat your protein. And then in graduate school nutrition, the emphasis was always on, you know, the standard American, you know, health, healthy way, which is protein and dairy. And so once I got out of graduate school and was able to kind of look at the information firsthand, and that's when I met Colin, Dr. Campbell and everything. And after that, it was, I, I just felt like now I really want everyone else to know that it is so doable and it is so wonderful. And it's, it's not as, as scary as people make it seem. Mm. So what was your personal transition like in terms of were there challenges? Um, did you find things easy or hard? And did you notice any changes in yourself as you, as you progressed? Well, initially it was very difficult because I was so young and my parents didn't know how to support me and, and it wasn't working. Like I always talk about how, you know, when you, when you don't want to eat animal products, you're like, okay, so I just won't eat animal products. And so, you know, that didn't mean, it didn't tell me what I was going to eat. So I was eating, I always joke about how I would eat fruit rolls and rice cakes and, you know, diet soda. And essentially that was, you know, animal product free, but it wasn't doing my body justice. So I did have a lot of bumps and I had to grow up and go through, you know, nutrition education and school and everything. And then once I did that and I started doing, you know, like going all out and knowing how to eat and what I'm supposed to include in my diet and base it on vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, and a little bit of nuts and seeds, then everything started changing. I mean, everything. My allergies got better. I used to have terrible allergies. My GI system got better. I used to have horrible pains and I was in the ER all the time and nobody knew what it was because they never ask you what you eat Uh (laughs) at the office, ironically. And my energy increased, my fitness. I've always been really into fitness. I got stronger, faster. My endurance is better. But pretty much my entire life changed. So did, did you have to learn how to cook at that point? Or like what, what skills did you need in order to successfully transition? That's such a good question. I think I always loved cooking, and I always kind of tried to cook healthy. I was always into the health thing, whatever that means, you know, so I've been through all my different phases. I tried all the different diets, but I had to, I guess, yes, I had to shift a little bit and learn more about how to cook grains from scratch and how to try to make, you know, how to put stuff like all together. And yeah, I did have to reframe my cooking instead of making meat as the center of the plate, or like I would eat 18 egg whites in a day because I was on that protein or that trainer diet. So I had to get, you know, more focused on figuring out that you don't need something in the center of your plate necessarily you could have these wonderful combinations and and it did shift my my cooking shifted and you know I'm learning I think it's great it's like I'm always learning new things and I still want to go to culinary school just for fun but uh-huh. I think it's a lot simpler than we we assume at the beginning a lot of people get intimidated by it and once you just kind of dig in and start trying it it's a lot easier than than people think hmm. cool. so tell me about the, the 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 complete idiot's guide um, what, what, what was, I'm curious because for me, writing a dummies book kind of changed everything in terms of how I was perceived and in the, uh, the influence I had. And it was remarkable because it was like, you know, the, the next day, the day after it was published, I was like so much smarter than I had been the day before. <laughs> how, how did that book, um, kind of move you, um, and, and make opportunities for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, completely the same thing. It was, it was really 
It was such a wonderful blessing to have that given to me and that opportunity. And literally, I mean, so exciting that like one day I was making dinner and my cell phone rang and it was the Dr. Oz show calling to come on. And it's like, wow. And, and it was because of the book. So absolutely, it opened up a million doors for me. And and what I love the best about it is that, you know, I see all these clients and I do all these talks and now I could just say, here, just, here's all the answers to the questions that you have. And it's all like right here. Uh-huh. So it makes you know, that part very simple for me. And, um, yeah, I've met so many people and I've, I've, a lot of opportunities have definitely opened up. Cool. So what's, what are the biggest questions that you get? Like you, you know, you want to kind of carry around a stack of books because you're going to hear this question or that question. You just want to give it to them and stop answering it. Definitely the protein question. You know, people are so concerned about protein and that's what I love about Dr. Campbell's work. It's because it, you know, it just, that whole nutritionism, reductionism theory is, is really what everyone gets obsessed with. I mean, I think people are very concerned about getting adequate nutrition and, and counting everything and worrying about calories. And so I always get those questions. Where do I get my protein? Where do I get my iron? How many calories do I need? How many, you know, like everything's very nutritional reductionist oriented. So the the main thing that I thought of what I love about Dr. Campbell's work is to, to realize that if you eat whole plants, you pretty much can't go wrong. Like you, you know, you take your B12 and you eat a wide variety of healthy plant foods, try to get the rainbow every day. And it really can be that simple. Mm-hmm. So you are a B12 advocate. Oh, absolutely. We're, the literature is showing uh, an increased uh, prevalence of B12 deficiency in vegans. So, and I think that that's like such a, it's such an easy thing to remedy. And I wish that everyone would just be aware that they need to get their B12 from a reliable source because it's not worth having irreversible neurological damage. Just if you could pop a pill once a week and be done with it, in my opinion. What was the Dr. Oz show like? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, they're, they run it like such a tight ship. They're all so intelligent and quick. And, you know, Dr. Oz is amazing what he does. He's just, you know, he's directing and moving and doing and he's so talented. And it was, it's really exciting to be a part of it. And now I've done it a couple times. I've done like three episodes. And that first one was, you know, I got to talk about the whole essence of plant-based nutrition and debunk all those myths. And we took people through a four or five day challenge and got to show my recipes. And that was, it was dream come true. It was one of the best experiences ever. Awesome. And now you, you have your own TV show. And now I have my own TV show. Yes. It's a wellness talk show on Berea living and uh, it's great. I mean, I got to have Dr. Campbell on my show and Dr. Barnard and Dr. Melanie Joy and had some of my favorite people on the planet come. And it was incredible. We filmed all the episodes last summer in August and we talked about fitness and nutrition and cooking and beauty and fashion. And we kind of covered all sorts of different topics, did a lot of Eastern medicine and Western medicine. And we talked about all sorts of different topics, gluten free and you know, pet health and women's health and men's health and pregnancy. And we just, we did all, we covered the gamut of topics. And I, that was extraordinary too. I had an amazing summer. Wow. So do you have, you have uh, producers and directors who go through all these ideas with you? Yes, we had producers and we went through, yeah, they did a lot of the pre, you know, they did a lot of work before I got there and they kind of came up with a lot of different fabulous ideas. And then we kind of went through everything and every episode we filmed two episodes a day for five, six, five weeks. And it was, it was intense and incredible. And I worked with an amazing team. The team, I missed them. They were amazing. Wow. Do you have another season planned? 
I don't know. They've kind of split it up, I think, because we filmed 39 episodes and I, I think about 13 have aired and then they repeat them. So I don't know. I don't know what the, what the plans are yet, but, um, I'm watching. <laughs> I'd awesome. love to go back. Well, so you see, you're, you're a fitness trainer. So you, uh, in, in that world, especially the whole protein thing is big and, <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not. It's not just you know ordinary people worried about their protein because of something they read. These are like a lot of people are like convinced if they don't have their you know hundred grams, hundred twenty five, hundred and fifty grams of protein a day that they're they're not going to be able to lift the weight or their muscles are going to shrink. Um, what's what's your experience with people who? who think that their own experience is telling them that they need to eat ungodly amounts of animal products. <laughs> oh, it's so prevalent. I mean, like, for instance, today's Meatless Monday, and I posted some joke about cows or whatever, about mad cow disease. It was like a cartoon. And, like, this this guy immediately jumps on there, and he's, like, attacking me. You, cr- I mean, I don't even say the words that the guy was saying, but there's this personal, like, deep-seated uh, fear of of not of giving up animal products and not having them and i it's i see it every single day anytime i bring it up even even if i'm just having lunch with friends or dinner with friends and i, I try not to bring up the topic it always essentially comes up and i think it's just so deeply rooted in what we're taught from day 1 like literally from preschool I have little kids, so I've watched this, you know, I've watched the indoctrination begin at the very beginning. And I I just, I I think that people realize they don't need it once they try it, but it's a very deep seated issue that it's, it's a hard one to break. It's a hard one to break. Mm -hmm. So, so have clients come to you kind of not quite clued in as to what you do and you had, you know, you've, uh, like, you know, they want to continue eating meat and you convince them to, to, um, to stop for a while and see what happens? I, yeah, I have people come to me from all sorts of perspectives. I have people that come to me and say they know exactly who I am and they say, uh, it, will you work with me if I don't want to be vegan? And, of course, my answer is yes. I'm not trying to veganize the world, but that's not my job. My job is to get people eating healthier. And, obviously, what I consider healthier is limiting or eliminating, ideally, animal products and processed foods. And then I have people coming to me that are, you know, you know, they want it, they want to do it and they just want to make sure they're doing it healthfully. A lot of people come to me and they say, I just want to make sure I'm still, I'm getting everything I need. Can you just go through my, my food journal and all that? So I see all sorts of different people on the the spectrum. And I think it's really exciting because nowadays I see more and more people just knowing that, I mean, the research just keeps coming out. Last week, another study was post published about mortality rates on vegetarians versus non-vegetarians. And again, you know, it substantiates the concept that you have an increased lifespan, that vegetarians have increased longer lifespans than non-vegetarians. So the evidence just keeps, you know, building and, and, and mounting. And I think people are, are getting more and more aware of it. Mm. So how, how old are your kids? They're almost six and almost eight. Okay. So what what have been the challenges of helping your kids um you know live healthy in a junk food world? My biggest challenge I've ever had in my entire life is trying to navigate child care in this world. It is insane. I write articles and do stuff about it all the time and because it's become the most challenging thing I've ever tried to do 
school and birthday parties and neighbors and friends and no matter where you go people are trying to feed your children garbage you know horrible process now even my husband i mean we are always at odds about this too because like oh a little sugar here a little so it's become it's become a, a very major a major challenge for me and i just i'm trying i'm work i'm playing with it because they're still young and i'm still figuring it all out you know and i know what i have in my house and i you know, when I'm not traveling, I do everything I can to control the situation. I always, you know, the teachers know, their camp counselors know, everyone knows how they eat. And I always send them with their own meals. And I try to plan ahead with birthday parties. But, you know, it's 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 not a perfect it's not a perfect situation ever. I've never seen a really easy. It's, you just can't sail through and just avoid the rest of the world because we can't live in bubbles. <laughs> I've learned. Right. Do, do they ever come home like feeling left out or alienated because everyone else is doing something that they're not? All the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. So I'm trying to instill the reasons. Like the, I want them to understand why. So that they don't feel like, I mean, I'm doing my best because I mean, they're kids. I know they have a very microcosmic outlook on life right now, obviously. So I'm trying to explain the ethical reasons, the philosophical reasons and the health reasons. And, you know, I take them to the farms to pet the animals and I take them to, you know, the the farmer's market to learn about vegetables and, and picking out fruit and vegetables and I'm I'm learning as I go, you know, even with no matter how much I know, you can't get that information into your child as easily and rapidly as you want to, nor can I get the exact food I want them to eat as much as I want to. Like, I sometimes just want to, like, you know, inject the food, you know, here's your green smoothie, drink it now. Right. It just doesn't always work, but it's a work in progress. Right. So yeah, on Saturday, I was at the supermarket and the guy in front of me had a little boy, probably around three. And the dad was piling his stuff, and he had some fruit and some canned fruit, but also like yogurt-covered pretzels and cans of, and, and two-liter bottles of soda and a can of Pringles. And the kid was reaching out. He's on the ground. He picks up um, some candy bar from the candy rack behind the the checkout counter. And the dad and he says, "You know, Daddy, can I have this candy?" And the dad picks it up. He says, "That's not candy. It's poison. It just it looks like candy." <laughs> and I I was like having really mixed feelings. <laughs> About that whole do, thing. Do you have kids? I do. How I old do. are your kids? My kids are now 17 and 13. So how is it for you? You've been doing this longer than me. Well, so they're very different. My daughter is completely plant-based and my son is not. And, you know, I kind of felt like um, I was I was never an ethical vegan in terms of, you know, leather and and not having any animal products. For me, this was about sustainability, and we avoided, you know, factory farmed stuff. Um, so I did find it harder to kind of, you know, it's easier if you're an ethical vegan to say to your kids, look at the, look at the nice animals. We don't want to hurt them. Um, I do remember after reading the China study, so, you know, after, after reading uh, um, John Robbins in 1990, I was kind of like, you know, radical vegan for about five years and then kind of didn't, it stopped making sense to me and I slipped back and it's like I forgot that I had ever read it. Then with the China study in 2005, I was on this crusade. My daughter at that point was just turning nine. My son was five and um, we had just moved to North Carolina and I was reading to them and explaining to them from the China study about, you know, casein and cancer. So I get a call from our across-the-street neighbor. Um, he says, you know, I need to talk to you about your daughter. 
Like, oh, what what'd she do? She says, well, <laughs> my daughter is really upset. She was crying all night because she thinks that I'm giving her cancer. Wow. Like, okay, I need to finesse this a little more. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's the other thing is that they don't have, you know, ah, so I know there's such a social, I think the biggest challenge for me as a mom and as a vegan or as a plant-based eater, all of the above is the social component is, is dealing with everyone's issues. Like everyone, like have, like how teaching your kids how to talk to other kids about it or teaching, you know, just, just being in this world. It's very challenging because everyone's got so many very passionate beliefs about, about their food. So that's, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. So what did you do? I, I sort of apologized in a, in a very ham-handed way and was very embarrassed and we kind of, you know, had to have that, had to have talks and it's, uh, it, it was not an easy talk to have with a nine-year-old, even a very sensitive and intelligent one because it's, you know, to her it was like, you know, those people who run around with Bibles telling you that you have to accept Jesus in order to be saved and not go to hell. Like if they honestly believe I'm going to hell, you know, wouldn't it be selfish of them to not mention it? <laughs> And, you know, so right. I think there's a certain amount of sort of just bumping up against the world that's going to happen that's inevitable. There's no, there's no way to be, you know, natural in, a, in an environment that's so completely unnatural. You know, so I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm giving myself lots of breaks because, you know, I don't, I don't know the best, you know, the only, the only thing I know to do at this point is, to walk the talk, to be as sort of vibrant and positive as, as, and healthy as I can. So I'm like, you know, that scene from when ha- Harry met Sally where people look at me and go, well, I want what he's having. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then and then I can share from a place of, uh, you know, ease and compassion as opposed to trying to drum my beliefs down other people's throats. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think that's entirely ineffective to try to, to drum it in people's faces. And I, I, at first, when I first started this, that's what I was doing because you're so excited and you just want to talk about it, but you're right. And then you don't realize how deeply that impacts people. And it's, it, it does come off as judgmental. And I think that if we can remove the judgment and be compassionate towards ourselves too and towards others, and just, yeah, and just live it, then I think that's the best we can do. And absolutely, I, that's what I tell everyone. That's what I tell my kids. And it, we have to be compassionate overall in general. Right. I, I was talking uh, also over the weekend with my best friend who's a doctor who had is halfway through whole. And, you know, I'm sort of bracing myself for his critique because he's not, you know, plant-based. And, and he said, well, you know, I had, I had one issue with it. I haven't finished it, so I don't know if you address it. I said, no, well, what's the issue? He says, well, that, um, you know, people eat all this stuff because they're really miserable and they're just, they're sad and they're unhappy and they're, and they're uncomfortable with themselves. And like the, that, that really, you know, processed food and animal foods are really comforting. It's, you know, it's like what people really need in their lives just to, to make it through the day. I thought, wow, that's, you know, and we don't really address that. Um, you know, that, that pretty much, you know, everything is medicine. <laughs> Yes. Every everything you you know the the worst junk food in the world that you eat is filling some void, some need. Absolutely. And it really reminded me to be compassionate um, when I see people, you know, like a, a really obese family at the supermarket, and I look in their cart, and then I want to go, oh gosh, I'm so superior. What you know, 
like to yeah. remind myself that everyone's everyone's fighting a battle. Absolutely. No, you that's what I that was part of what we were talking about the compassionate thing. It's there food is absolutely comfort and it is medicine and it is it can be so much and it is so deep. It's our culture and our tradition and our family. It's like everything is food represents so much to to everyone in so many different ways that there's so many different things that come into play and yeah, I mean, like, I love, that's why I love, like, books like The Pleasure Trap and Breaking the Food Seduction, where we talk about how powerful food is over even, like, even that it's not just you dealing with something, it's also the food having some sort of control over the behavior. You know, a lot of times these foods that are, like, built to be uh, addictive, you know, the sugars and the oils and the salts and all that, they literally produce food to be addictive like that, and a lot of people get caught up in that, and then it's it's reinforced everywhere you go with fast food and big portions and you know everywhere we go food wise there's there's so many implications and so much research gone into getting us to eat so much more of that stuff and making it our comfort food that we're fighting a huge very big system in so many ways yeah that there's you know to me the only the, the only easy thing to do is to unplug is and, and you know Part of part of the, the the joy and frustration of working on whole with Dr. Campbell is when you start going down that rabbit hole. There's just you know there's so many places you look and they say, well, those people don't have my best interests at heart. You know, in, in in many ways it was a hard book to write, and I appreciate that it can be a hard book to read because there's a there's a lot of you know negativity. There's a lot of stuff that we looked at and we said, no, this is not okay. This is not. Right, and and people don't realize it because the market the marketing is so good, it no longer looks like marketing. It looks like science. It looks like policy. Yes, yes, that's the brilliance of the book. It's like on, you know, people don't realize it. You know, we have no idea that that backstory, what goes on behind the scenes to get something put on a label, and there's so much misinformation and misguided information, and it's absolutely very difficult to navigate through and know what to rely on and know who to trust and and know what you can actually safely do to you know ultimately be healthy and and make good choices so there, there is there's so many deep powers that be and that's why i'm so grateful for dr campbell and your work now because it's 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 very important information we all need to know it and once you know it then you can make more understood decisions and you know you could at least at least know what why you're choosing what you're choosing and Make it a more intentional, you know, path. Right, and I and I want to you know thank you and give you a shout out for all the work you're doing to help people get this into their lives. You know, to go thank from you. the research and the policy into what do I put on my plate? How do I talk to my kids? How do I navigate at work and all that? Um, if people want more of you and what you've got, um, what tell us a little bit about what you know services and products you offer and where people can find you. Thank you. Uh, well, my website is plantbaseddietitian.com and you know, I have my books on there and my books on Amazon and everything and I've, I'm always on social media on Facebook and Twitter and posting and you know, I'm, I'm lecturing. I lecture worldwide now and I, I write for Veg, I'm the Veg News nutrition columnist, so you could ask me questions and I could, I could publish it in Veg News. And, um, I do, and I do private counseling via Skype and email and phone and worldwide too. So if anyone has specific issues that they really want to work out, then I'm, you know, come email me and, and we can work, to, I can try to help you. All right. So plantbaseddietitian.com. 
Good. And I, and I got called out. I actually misspelled the word dietitian on the China Study Facebook page, and I, got, I made some people very angry. So it's D I E T I T I A N. Yes, I got it. You know how I know that? I got it wrong. One of my first, one of my first years of graduate school, it was on my test how to spell dietitian, and I spelled it with a C too, and I've never forgotten. And so many people do that. I, I think it's the European spelling of it. Or maybe there are just two ways to spell it. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I'll uh, I'll defend myself next time I screw up. Yeah, don't feel bad. But my professor said the correct way is with the T, so I've always stuck with that. But yes, it's confusing. So yes, T-I-T-I-A-N. Awesome. All right. Well, Juliana Hever, the plant, the uh, what is it again? Sorry, plant-based, plant-based dietitian. Yeah. Plant-based dietitian. Thank you so much for taking the time to Skype with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to talk to you. Take care. You too.